Our children are dismissed for their time of worship now. Let's bow together and pray. Do come our way, our truth, our life, our joy. Speak in and through the community, the words, the space between the words that we might hear the one word that transforms us to be the men and women, the youth, the children that you're shaping us to be. This is our prayer. Amen. I have a friend in Austin, Texas named Jan Chapman who has often said to me, I just wish God would tell me what to do. I wish, in fact, God would write the message that God has for me on the mirror of my bathroom, preferably in my own shade of lipstick. I've often been tempted to sneak into her bathroom and (laughs) write, Jan, be nicer to your pastor or something, you know. Does God speak to people? Does God speak words to us? And if so, what does it sound like? What does it look like? We began this hour with these amazing words from Psalm 19. The heavens are telling the glory of God. The firmament is announcing God's handiwork. Every day, it says, there's a speech. Night after night, knowledge pours forth. It's like a 24-7 news channel. It's always there for us. We read from the Proverbs, which concurs. Wisdom cries out in the streets, in the square. She raises her voice. Sounds pretty adamant and clear that God speaks. The question is, do we hear it? Then Psalm 19 explains, there is no speech. There are no words. There is no voice heard. In other words, it's kind of an unspeech. It's not honorable, it's not unequivocal, it's not a universal word that we can all hear at the same time. One of the enduring memories that we will carry from this 2012 presidential election surely will be the actor Clint Eastwood talking to an empty chair at the Republican National Convention. But I wondered, what if Eastwood... Instead of talking to a chair, had sat in the chair and listened to the podium for a speech. It's what they do in the Quaker church. I probably shouldn't tell you that, some of you may prefer this. Do you hear it? Uh, Some people think that uh, having a pastor up here talking is one way to uh, insulate and and, uh, uh, protect you from the silence, from God. 
They don't listen to a preacher blathering each week. They don't expect someone like a minister to sort of chew their spiritual food. They listen. Wendell Berry says the worst thing about preachers is that they try to say something when there's nothing really to say. Harry Chapin said, sometimes words can serve me well. Sometimes words can go to hell for all the good they do. They don't work. They don't help. Quakers understand, as the psalmist said, there is no speech. There are no words. No voice is heard. And yet, the psalmist says, yet the voice goes through all of the earth and the words go to the end of the world. There is a voice. There is a word. It's not universally heard, but it is detected by those who have the spiritual ears to hear it. It's, it, it's, it's, like, it's like parents with a new baby who are able to detect her cry and the nature of that cry before anyone else can hear the baby. They hear it. Or the mechanic, that skilled mechanic who can detect a click in the engine that the car owner doesn't really even hear. He knows something's amiss. Or like the musician or or the organ tuner who has the ability amidst all of the organ sounds coming from the pipes can pick out a pipe that's out of tune and begin to address it. We're talking about a capacity to hear that goes beyond the naked ear. It's a a spiritual hearing. And at the risk of sounding like I'm coming out of the 1970s, we're talking about listening to the sound of silence. St. John of the Cross said, Silence is God's first language. You see it all the time in the scriptures. You see stories of people who hear that which others don't hear. The word of the Lord came to Abram and said, get up from this place and go. No one else heard the word. Abram heard the word. Moses at the burning bush. No one else heard it. Moses heard it. The boy Samuel in the temple. The priest Eli doesn't hear the voice of the Lord. Samuel hears the voice. The shepherds in the field, apparently the sheep didn't hear it. They didn't all start to scatter. But they, the shepherds, heard the voice of the angels saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. You see it again and again throughout the scriptures and all throughout the Gospel of John. These stories were... A narrative is being told, but it's being understood at a deeper level. John chapter 4 tells the story of Jesus with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Jesus asks for a, a drink, and she wants to talk about the well. She wants to talk kind of superficially about how deep the well is and how you need a bucket to get the water from the well in the words of Proverbs, she's being simple while Jesus is wanting to go to a deeper level to talk about that water that will quench the thirst that every human being has. 
She's not a stupid woman. She's not a bad woman. Despite what we've tried to paint her to be, she's not stupid. She's not bad. She just doesn't detect the voice, the word, the speech. She doesn't catch it. Why is that? It seems that some people are kind of pre-programmed to hear the word, hear that unspeech. They come out, they're, they're, they're like a, a car that comes off the factory line. The radio is already on and the stations are already preset. So they get in, somebody gets in the car, the radio's on, the music's there, they, they hear it. Whereas others don't have the presets. They have to fish around through all of the static in the hope that there's something out there that they can understand. That's the way others are. And then it seems there are those who have never even been introduced to the idea of music. They don't even know there's a radio. They don't know. They've never heard. This woman at the well begins to hear, and she does what most humans do. She tries to change the subject because it's a bit scary to her. She starts a religious argument. Well, your people say we need to worship God on that mountain. We say this mountain over here, and we sense in her this avoidance because she knows and you know that to be alone with that silence that is the voice of God is to be changed. It's to be transformed. So that the writer of James tells us, you can't just say whatever you want anymore. You can't use your mouth to do the things, say the things that you might have said before. You're a child of God. You're in a conversation with God. The gospel story in Mark reminds us of a most interesting thing, of our human capacity to sometimes hear that word, to sometimes get that word, sometimes step into that word that God speaks, and sometimes to lose it altogether. Simon Peter, on the one hand, says, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. And in Matthew, Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of John. You didn't get this out of a book. No one told you this. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. This came to you from that unspeech. God, you got this. Good for you. The very next paragraph tells the story of Simon Peter trying to tell Jesus how this was all going to go down and how life should be. And Jesus has to say to him, Get behind me, Satan. You're channeling evil, not God. The invitation for us this day and every day is to take the risk and listen to the empty pulpit. To listen For the voice of God that is always there 
Day to day pours forth speech. Night to night declares this knowledge, drawing us to where we need to be individually, as a congregation, as a culture. We're always, always being invited by God. Gloria's opening prayer for us talked about in the midst of this conflict to feel that oneness with God, that breath that is God in us, that invitation to find that calm and peace and connection that we are invited to hold and to have and to live out of. When you're anxious to find the calm, when you're self-focused to see the bigger picture, when you're mad to find God's presence even in the anger, redirecting us, calling us, inviting us to use our lives for good. When some people talk about this, when some people refer to how they've come to this new understanding and revelation, they they tend to use a shorthand. They tend to talk in religious sound bites and they'll say, well, the Lord told me. The Lord told me this. And the skeptic among us might want to say, really? Uh, The Lord told you? Was it in English? How did that word, you heard this? And if they're pressed, what they'll say is this. Well, no, I I didn't hear it. But I was drawn. I was drawn and I stepped into the light and I got my bearings again. And as I did, it became clear. I knew. Here's how Wendell Berry described it. He said, when despair in the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, where the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief, I come into the presence of still waters. And I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting their light, and for a time I rest. I rest in the grace of the world, and I am free. You may be here this morning and you may be thinking, that's the voice you're talking about? Is is that God? Well, I've heard that voice. You have heard that voice. It is being beamed to you and me in love 24 hours a day. The question for us is, are we willing to, To listen? Let's pray.
amidst all of the ritual we do as church and amidst all of the trappings of this day, may the unspeech, the powerful silence of your presence, draw us and direct us to be more fully your beloved children. This is our prayer. In the name of Word made flesh, Jesus our Savior. Amen. Amen.